so I ask for your grace this morning for me and for those who hear in Christ's name. Amen. The following story is based on true events. Names and places have been changed to protect the guilty. A man I know took his family to go visit a close friend. Shortly after entering his friend's house, one of his children decided that life was not going well and they were going to do something that was unwelcome to do in that space. And the host, graciously, because they know the child, said, hey, we don't behave that way in our house. Would you please not do that? For whatever reason, the child this particular day decided they didn't want to listen to what they were being asked to do. And so the father got involved and said, hey, when people welcome us into our home, we listen when they give us instructions. And for whatever reason, this particular day, the child didn't want to listen to his dad either. So the dad sat the kid down and said, you're going to be in timeout until you tell me that you're going to respect what I'm telling you. Because it's not even about them right now. Right now it's between you and me. And for whatever reason, the kid did not want to. And the dad realized, as embarrassing as it is to have to deal with your child, when you have just gotten to one of your close friend's homes, this needs to happen. And so he picked up his child, and they went into a private room, and they closed the door. Now, this is not his home. This is not the the place where the dad can just let his child burn off the energy and burn off the steam. There's expensive, valuable things that don't belong to them. And so the, the dad sat the kid down on the carpet, and the kid's fighting him. So the dad says, all right, it is not safe to even let you have control of your hands right now. I'm going to hold your hands, and we are going to sit here on this floor until you tell me that you're going to listen to what I'm telling you to do. And with anger and defiance in his eyes, The kid looked up at his dad and he said, you'll die first. The dad had never made a death threat with as much kindness and compassion as he did just then. But with steel in his voice, the father, out of love for his child, looked back and said, no, you'll die first. The dad continued, he says, I'm a grown man. I can go for days longer without food than you can. I can go for days longer without water than you can. You will not win and you will not move from the spot until you tell me that you are going to obey me. You will die first. And by the goodness and grace of God, they only went that way for an hour. And the kid calmed down. He said he was sorry. They hugged, they reconciled, and they went out to experience like life and joy with friends and and food, and and it was good. And I tell the story not to hold up an example of parenting. Think what you will about this father. But it was out of love and out of compassion for his child that he decided, I need to have this fight right now. 
and I made a threat, and I mean it. Because he thought, should my child grow into adulthood with this attitude, his life will end up in one of three ways. He will be in prison, he will be dead, or he will become an evil dictator tyrant. And I love him too much to let any one of those options happen. This morning, we are going to be in a text of Scripture that I'm convinced is our loving Heavenly Father gently cradling our heads and speaking back to us the truth that you will die first. It is awkward, it is uncomfortable, and honestly, it's nausea-inducing. And if you feel uncomfortable, let me just tell you what, I feel it all the more so because this is supposed to make us uncomfortable. We are going to be in the covenant blessings and curses that God gave to Moses to give to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 16 through 29, verse 1. And if you want a text in the Bible that you can point at and say, see, see, God is mean, cruel, and vindictive, point no further than where we're going to be at this morning. Because that's what it seems if, if you don't bring the story to bear upon the text. If you just think this is God any day of the week, you're wrong. If you understand everything that the good and loving God who desires to bless humanity and, and has gone over and above, over and over on behalf of these people to spare them and to bless them, and is now saying that there will be consequences for your actions. If you don't understand the whole story, then you absolutely God seems super cruel right now, but I'm convinced he's not. So this is the first thing to keep in mind as we go to this passage, as I believe this is the work of a compassionate and loving God who's getting in the face of his kids and telling them exactly what's going to happen if they go down this road. The second thing I will at least raise is that God is not speaking in a way that they would be shocked at. A few weeks ago, uh, we had a guest speaker named uh, Dr. Carl Reed, and he says, I'm sure Jordan's told you guys all about suzerain vassal treaties. And I'm sitting in the back going, I actually skipped that part. So um, in case you are wondering, this is an ancient piece of literature and God has communicated himself to humans in ways that we can understand. So if you happen to get an inkling to go read other ancient texts, you can go read other treaties that were made, and turns out they follow the basic structure of Deuteronomy, or rather Deuteronomy and them, they all have a, a certain convention, and an extended list of really horrible curses that come upon someone who is going to break this agreement is par for the course. So this is somewhat normal. If that's helpful to you, then there you go. It doesn't escape the fact that it is here and, and it is horrible. God give us grace. Here we go. All right. Verse 16. Yahweh your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart, with all your soul. You, that is the Israelites, you have declared this day that Yahweh is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, and that you will listen to him. All right, so everyone is on board with this. Yahweh has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. They are in a relationship with one another. All right, kind of like a marriage relationship, but instead of a man and a woman, it is a relationship between a people and their God. 
And they have said, Yahweh, you are our God. And, and Yahweh has said back to them, I am your God. You are my special chosen people. Listen to me. And so as we go through and you keep seeing Yahweh, your God, it's not just there as a detail. It's, it's the relationship over and over and over again. This is Yahweh, your God. Verse 19, he has declared that he will set you, Yahweh will set you, Israel, in praise and fame and honor, high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy to Yahweh, your God, as he promised. So Moses and the elders of Israel, they commanded the people, keep all these commands that I give you today. And when you've crossed the Jordan into the land, Yahweh, your God, has given you. Set up some large stones, coat them with plaster. And write on them all the words of this law, this instruction, this Torah. When you've crossed over to enter the land, Yahweh your God is giving you a land flowing with milk and honey, just as Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, promised you. When you've crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal as I command you today and coat them with plaster. Build there an altar to Yahweh your God, an altar of stones. Don't use any iron tool on them. Build the altar of Yahweh your God with field stones and offer burnt offerings on it to Yahweh your God. So you guys remember back in Leviticus, the sacrificial system, all right? These animals, these blameless representatives on behalf of the, of the Israelites will die so that their blood, their life can come closer to God. It is a way of dealing with sin and it is a way of symbolically enacting that we are going closer to the holy presence of God. And once our sin is taken care of, what is the point of it? The point is fellowship with God in his house, enjoying his hospitality. So we make fellowship offerings and we eat and rejoice in the presence of Yahweh our God. All right? The direction of the sacrificial system is towards life with God in the house of God. So they have the ceremony there on Mount Ebal. And you shall write very clearly all the words of this law on these stones that you have set up. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Hey, be silent, Israel, listen. You have now become the people of Yahweh your God. Obey Yahweh your God. Follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. And on the same day, Moses commanded the people, When you've crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebal to pronounce curses, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. So if you go over to Israel, there's a town, it's called, used to be called Shechem, I forget what it's called uh, today, and it sits right at the meeting spot between two large hills. We would call them hills, you know, they call them mountains, kind of like Mount Tabor or something like that. You know, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and there's this natural amphitheater-like valley between them. When Abram, you know, from the book of Genesis, first comes into the land of Canaan, he goes to Shechem, to right in this vicinity, and he builds an altar to God and worships God for the very first time. They are tracing the footsteps of their ancestor. But Moses says, when you guys come into the land, here's a ritual to do. Half the tribes stand on one mountain, half on the other, and you're going to have this antiphonal call and response. And the Levites shall recite to all the people of Israel in a loud voice and say, cursed. All right, it's the opposite of blessing. Cursed is anyone who makes an idol. All right, that's like rule number one, no idols. When God spoke to the people of Israel on the mountain, they heard a voice. They saw no image, no idols. 
Don't make a thing detestable to Yahweh, the work of skilled hands, and set it up in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. We're used to hearing that word, but it means truly, or, or yes, or let it be so, or we agree, or hear, hear, whatever you want to say, like, yes, amen. They continue, cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and mother, and all the people shall say, absolutely, amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. So, so in secret, we are taking over someone's private property, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their, uh, cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. And all the people shall say, amen. Yeah, we don't want that. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. And all the people shall say, amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his father's wife, for he dishonors his father's bed. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who has sexual relations with an animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. And we go like, why does that need to be a rule? And remember Leviticus 18, Yahweh says, because the people who are currently living in this land of Canaan, they are doing this stuff, and I hate it. And it defiles the land itself. It's a big deal. That's not what I created sex for. So cursed is anyone who does those. Cursed is anyone who secretly murders their neighbor. And all the people shall say, oh yeah, amen. Cursed is anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. And all the people shall say, amen. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. And all the people shall say, amen. They're all in agreement. Everyone signs up for this. There's 12 curses. And when you get to the book of Joshua, chapter 10, I believe, where the ceremony is actually carried out, they also read the blessings. They are not listed here. Because the sad fact of the matter that we already know is that the people of Israel will not listen to God. They will not keep his instructions they will not experience the blessings. Rather, they are going to experience the curses because they're going to do everything that Yahweh hates. But that's coming in the future. We get to chapter 28. Here's what is being offered. If you fully obey Yahweh your God and you carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, Yahweh your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. That sounds pretty good. All these blessings, they will come on you and they will accompany you. They'll stay with you for the rest of your life if you obey Yahweh your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. All right, total life blessing. This is Eden all over again. Yahweh will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They're going to come at you from one direction, but they're going to flee from you in seven, having been totally scattered. Yahweh will send a blessing on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. Yahweh, your God, will bless you in the land he's given you. Yahweh will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of Yahweh your God and you walk in obedience to him. 
Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of Yahweh, and they will fear you. Like everyone's like, oh, dude, check those people out. Yahweh will grant you abundant prosperity. And the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your, the, your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. Yahweh will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. Yahweh will make you the head, that is like the first, not the tail, the last. If you pay attention to the commands of Yahweh your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. This last phrase is really important because if they choose not to follow Yahweh, it's not that they serve nothing. It's rather that they're looking elsewhere for satisfaction. They found another God to go after, someone else to listen to. And Yahweh says, if you trust me, if you listen to me, I will give you the best life you can possibly imagine. If you would only let me bless you. However, if you do not obey Yahweh your God, and you do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees that I'm giving you today, then all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And Yahweh will send on you curses, confusion, rebuke, and everything you put your hands to until you are destroyed and you come to sudden ruin because of the evil that you have done in forsaking him. Yahweh will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land that you are entering to possess. Yahweh will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze, no rain, the ground beneath you iron, it's not producing anything. Yahweh will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. Yahweh will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven. And you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds and the wild animals, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Yahweh will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and festering sores and the itch from which you cannot be cured. And Yahweh will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. At midday, you're going to grope about like a blind person in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day, you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even begin to enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will eat none of it. Your donkey will be forcibly taken from you and will not be returned. Your sheep will be given to your enemies and no one will rescue them. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation and you will wear out your eyes watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. And a people that you do not know will eat what you 
your land and labor produce, and you will have nothing but cruel oppression all your days. And the sights you see will drive you mad. Yahweh will afflict your knees and your legs with painful boils that cannot be cured, spreading from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. Yahweh will drive you and the king that you set over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors, and there you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. This is what you wanted. This is what you chose. And you're going to become a thing of horror, a byword, and an object of ridicule among all the peoples where Yahweh will drive you. Everyone was going to fear you positively, like, look at those people. If you abandon me, everyone will fear you, like, ugh, oh, look at those people. You will sow much seed in the field, but you will harvest little because locusts will devour it. You will plant vineyards and cultivate them, but you will not drink the wine or gather the grapes because worms will eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your country, but you will not use the oil. The olives will drop off. All your, all your effort is just going to be wasted. You will have sons or daughters, but you will not keep them. They will go into captivity. Swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and the crops of your land, and the foreigners who reside among you are going to rise higher and higher, and you're going to sink lower and lower. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head. You will be the tail. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey Yahweh, your God, and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. They will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever. Just back in Egypt, God came in judgment against Egypt and performed signs and wonders to Pharaoh to show Pharaoh who he was and that he could not treat the people of Israel that way. He had to let him go. And Yahweh says, if you abandon me, I will show you my signs and wonders against you, not for you. Therefore, uh, because you did not serve Yahweh your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst, and nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies Yahweh sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. <laughs> Yahweh will bring a nation against you from far away, from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down. If you guys remember back in Exodus 19, Yahweh tells the Israelites, he says, you have seen what I've done for you, how like an eagle carrying its young, I have brought you from Egypt to meet with me, to be my people. In Deuteronomy 32, again, we're told that Yahweh, like an eagle, is carrying aloft the people of Israel. And Yahweh says, if you abandon me, the eagle who carried you, another eagle is going to come. This one will carry you too into exile and destruction. Yahweh will bring a nation against you from far away like the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you don't understand, a fierce-looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. And they will devour the young of your livestock and the crops of your lands until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, new wine, or olive oil, nor any calves from your herds or lambs from your flock until you are ruined. They will lay siege to all the cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust fall down. They will besiege you. They will besiege all the cities throughout the land Yahweh your God has given you. And because of the suffering that your enemy will inflict on you during the siege, you're going to eat the fruit of the womb, the flesh of the, the sons and daughters Yahweh has given, your God has given you. 
And even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or the wife he loves or his surviving children. He will not give to one of them any of the flesh of his children that he is eating because it's all that he has left because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of all your cities. This is ancient warfare. Surround the city, starve them out. And so we're eating dead bodies now. The most gentle and sensitive woman among you, so sensitive and gentle, she would not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son or daughter, the afterbirth from her womb, the children she bears, because in her dire need she intends to eat them secretly because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of your cities. If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and you do not revere the glorious and awesome name, Yahweh, your God, then Yahweh will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. And he will bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded and they will cling to you. Yahweh will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. You, who are as numerous as the stars in the sky, will be left but few in number because you did not obey Yahweh your God. And just as it pleased Yahweh to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Yahweh will scatter you among all nations from one end of the earth to the other, and there you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. And among those nations, you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There, Yahweh will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread, both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning, you're going to say, oh, if only it were evening. And in the evening, if only it were morning. Because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see, Yahweh will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey that I said you should never make again. And there you're going to offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But no one will buy you. And these are the terms of the covenant Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab in addition to the covenant he has made with them at Horeb. May Yahweh bless the reading of his word. If we lose sight of the story, Yahweh is cruel, vindictive, and, and just mean. But I'm convinced this is the words of a father holding his child's face before him and saying, if you keep going this way, you will die. Because Yahweh is their life. He's bringing them into a land to give to them, houses they did not build, crops they did not plant. He wants to bless them. He carried them through the wilderness like an eagle. He provided them food and water. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He spared them when the plagues came over the entire land of Egypt. He's treating them differently as his people because he chose them. And if they reject him, who is their life, then Yahweh will go and he will take with him all the blessings that he has brought into their life. And they will lose the fields and the crops that he gave them and they will lose 
the houses that he provided for them. They will lose the land that he brought them into. Rather than be the ones to conquer their enemies because Yahweh fights their battles, instead Yahweh will withdraw and their enemies will come and defeat them. Rather than sustain them with food and water, they're going to lose out on food and water. In fact, things are going to get so bad that they are, rather than carrying them like an eagle, another eagle will come and carry them off. And just as Yahweh spared them from the plagues that he brought onto all of Egypt, guess what? If you behave like that, the plagues will come on you too because Yahweh's fair and just. And you will end up back in Egypt offering yourself for sale, but no one wants you because the only thing that made you special, Israel, was the fact that Yahweh chose you. And you're going this direction and you're saying that you don't want him anymore. If you're an ancient Israelite, listening to this on the plains of Moab, the right response is to go, only an idiot would do that. And you're going to run to Yahweh and you're going to hold on to him and say, I will never, ever, 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 never let you go. If you're an ancient Israelite who lives several hundred years after the days of Moses, during the days of the united or divided monarchy, if you're familiar with that, and you realize that some of these covenant curses have actually begun because the people are turning away and abandoning Yahweh, the right response is to repent and to run back to him and to cling to him and realize he is your life and he loves you and he doesn't want you to die. If you are an Israelite who finds yourself in exile, because as much as we want this to be hyperbole, because that's most of the time what it is, we actually realize that because the nation of Israel actually refuses to listen to God, all, all of these things came true. And if you felt that is like gross, uncomfortable, and like nauseous, that is how we're supposed to feel going through this. But if you're an Israelite and all of these things came upon you and your people, the right response is to realize, one, that Yahweh is being faithful to do what he said he was going to do. You were not conquered because the gods of those foreign armies are more powerful than your God. No, you are being punished for your sins. So come back to God because he's not doing this because he hates you. He loves you and he wants to bless you. In Leviticus 26, when we, after going through all these curses, we end in hope and thank God the Torah does not end here. There's six more chapters. There is hope left. And so, of course, the right response would be to run and cling to Yahweh because he is life and blessings and to never, ever, 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 never abandon him because who would ever want these things to happen? <laughs> Family of Grace, I would like to offer a little bit of comfort to you because these words were not given to us. They were given for us because the story of the nation of Israel was written down for our instruction. That we might understand what gravity sin has for the world. That we would understand that because of what God has done, because all of these things came upon the people of Israel, because their hearts were never changed in the future, God makes a promise to say, I'm going to come and take care of this problem. Because in the fullness of time, Yahweh himself incarnated himself and was born as a baby, as a person, Jesus, and bore the brunt of the entire wrath of God and all the covenant curses on our behalf so that we don't have to. And so Christ died for our sins. 
so that we can live with him, so that we can be reconciled to God. So that we will realize that all the covenant blessings of life with God are held open to us and all the covenant curses are like a clear bulletproof glass pane that we stand up against and we can see into, but we can never go there because Christ has done that for us. And the way to this has been closed. However, if you are not a Jesus follower this morning, let me just tell you that the God who created heaven and earth cares about the corruption of the world and he's going to come and deal with it. And in his justice, what that often looks like is just letting people go their own way. He will let you self-destruct and he may just help you to fast track it. As a thought of an illustration that I could use for this morning, I had the thought to write a letter to my daughter where I encouraged her not to make choices that would destroy her life. In particular, do not ever take drugs. Because if she ever goes to a party, if she ever gets bored and someone offers her this drugs, here's what's going to happen to her. If she's going to take them and she's going to find a pleasure so exquisite and life-altering that she'll do anything to have it again. And she will. Because these chemicals are so powerful that when you have it, they are, life is so good. And the moment that they're out of your system, pain and all sorts of evil come your way. And so sometimes you're not even chasing pleasure. You're just trying to avoid all the withdrawals from this chemical. And so she will spend her last cent buying the things to make her happy. But that ultimately leave her empty. And once she's spent all her money, here's what's going to happen. If she refuses to repent, if her family interventions don't work, she's going to begin to steal from other people because at the end of the day, it's her pleasure that supersedes the needs of those around her. And so she's going to start burning her relational bridges if she does not repent and come back. The time will come when all these people who love her and want good things for her life will kick her out of their homes and say, you are no longer welcome here because of the choices that you are making. Would you please just change? And if she refuses, then she's going to end up on the street sleeping with whatever guy is currently willing to protect her and use her and use with her. She's going to be impregnated and she's going to give birth to a beautiful little baby who's going to come into the world addicted to drugs coming off of them and have her children ripped away from her and she's going to go to prison and end up on the streets. And then one day I'm going to show up and she's going to be sleeping on this back porch of this church building and I'm going to see this beautiful person who's made a wreck of her life because of the disastrous choices that she continues to move and I'm going to tell her that you cannot be here. And so crying, she's going to stumble up and walk away barefooted and unwanted into the world. Why? Because she's so insistent on going after her own desires and she will not change. That's a side note. I am so sick and tired of seeing beautiful lives ruined by these chemicals. And everything I just told you is a true story of the people that I'm engaging with over this last month. And there's a four-year-old baby in this world growing up with grandma because mom will not change her ways. I don't think God is cruel. I think he's just and he's good. And if Brene Brown is right, when we speak with clarity, it is compassionate to people. I think God is being really compassionate and getting in the face of his people and saying, you will die. If you leave me, because I am the only person that can protect you and sustain you. 
And if you abandon me, I will give you over to your own choices. May we not do it. Pamela Grace, you can live your life however you want. But Jesus is your life. Abandon him at your own peril. I know a lot of people, they, they say they love Jesus and then they go off and they want to chase, you know, chase their own careers. They don't have time for him. He's not that important. I was a medication aide at a retirement care home and I saw a man who was in his 70s, retired, had severe Parkinson's at this point in his life and he, he had done it. Super rich. I mean, he was wealthy enough at some point. He bought citizenship in another country so he could invest in real estate there. Like the guy was loaded with cash and he was miserable. Because chasing after his career, he burned all of his relational bridges. He cheated on his wife and family. His family wanted nothing to do with him. And so now he's all alone in the world in a care home. And no one cares for him. You can have that life if you want to. It's going to seem really, really good for a couple decades until everything that you've chosen shows up. Even if, even if you died in like pleasure, wealth, and splendor, the truth is, is that one day all the dead will be resurrected and there will be a final judgment. And the reality is, is that God, because he's good, he will let you choose hell if you want to. But he offers heaven. I think the only way to respond to this is, guys, run to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He is, he is the, the, the fullest expression of the fact that God will go to the ends of the earth to save you. Only he will still let us make a choice. Would you choose to follow him today? To cling to him today? He really is good. May we find that when we finally repent, we say, Dad, I'm sorry, and we come back to him. That he hugs us, and we find that we're reconciled, and he welcomes us back in to his home, to his people, to live and celebrate with him forever. Let's pray. God, I hate that people choose hell instead of heaven. I hate it every single day. And they do it in this life, and they'll do it in the next. God, I'm sick and tired of, of seeing people who are making selfish choices. And what really gets me, God, is that I'm just like them. That I made the same choices they did, but you did a work in my life and you saved me and I surrendered to you. And on the other side of my addictions, I found life and blessing beyond what I could believe in this life and hope for the next. And I want this goodness for other people too. And so God, would you do your work in our hearts? Would you help us to embrace the pain of repentance and to realize that there is no suffering-free option left in front of us? That if we chase after what we want, it'll end in death. But if we die to what we want now and we pick you, you will lead us into life and blessing with you forever. Help us to trust you today. Amen.